that's a growler. Welcome to Beauty and the Beastly Minute, the podcast where we analyze and theorize about the 1991 film Beauty and the Beast. We are going over Minute 19 today, and we're super excited to again have Rick and Julia Ingham from the Mad Max Minute podcast with us again today. How are you guys? We're doing great. Glad to be back. Awesome. And of course, my name is Janae. I'm one of your co-hosts. And I'm Bobby. And we're going to dive right in. So today, our minute starts off with Belle checking out the door to see if Gaston has left after his failed proposal, and ends with Belle singing, I want so much more than they've got planned. This is a song minute, everyone. So, first off, I was wondering how long did she wait before she opened the door to check and see if he was gone? Well... Considering that the wedding party is gone, a couple hours, like, it would have taken quite right. some time to clean all that. <laughs> like, up. How, how long did it take them to take down that whole getup? Right. <laughs> uh, if it was me, I probably would have waited maybe five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but I also would have been like peeking through the window to watch him the entire time. Yeah. Well, she's got that right. great contraption. She's got that to thing. Peek. Exactly. I I would love to imagine that the other end of that contraption is kind of like the robotic eye from like the Return of the Jedi outside of Jabba's palace. It just kind of a ball pops out of the wall and is looking around, <laughs> speaking in that weird alien language, which is why he busted in. You know, this ball came out in his face, shoot, shoot, drop, 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 and then he's like, "I'm just going in." <laughs> I don't speak bocce. Yes, I definitely think that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Let's see, that's all Belle needs. She needs a doorman with you know weird head tentacles to say "Yowanawanga Belle Nobada." <laughs> well, obviously, whatever it was, it didn't work very well because he still came in. Well, she has the chicken. <laughs> she has the chickens. <laughs> okay, and some goats. Where were all of these animals before? Like, in I the wonder. Back. If- I wonder if Gaston has, like, the opposite of animal affinity. Like, animals just instinctively know not to hang out near him. (laughs) They know that he's going to hunt them down and shoot them. It's got that murdery animal vibe. (laughs) (laughs) I think what happened here is that Belle was in the middle of her morning chores, and she went inside for something, got distracted by the book which I know I've done before. And you sit down, you're like, I'm just going to read a page. And then like three hours later, somebody's banging on your door because we see the bucket of feed that she left here as she was going inside to do whatever she needed to do. And she probably left, you know, the goat pen and the chicken pen open. So they were just chilling in there until, you know, a few hours had passed and people left and they start wandering out into the yard. She must have been reading literally all day then because... If she was doing her morning chores and that's when she got distracted by her book, when she later on in this minute, when she like runs across the lawn or yard or whatever, it's like starting to be sunset time. Like the clouds have like orange and pink. So it's like evening. I gotta say. That's 
Yeah, I think we just saw a day in the life of Belle. <laughs> it takes her all day Start to get through chores. her chores because she spends most of the day reading. Yeah. Those poor animals haven't eaten all day. <laughs> no wonder that's why they go after the feed. Like, there's no yeah. tomorrow. Well, this is why Maurice is so obsessed with building, like, automated <laughs> systems, like automated wood choppers, so that... You know, he doesn't have to rely on his airhead of a daughter. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I call it like um, I see it. I think it's funny that once again, this is the second time in the movie that she's talking to animals, which they do not talk back like in many other movies, Disney movies, but... But they do I'm just, seem to be listening to her. Oh, they're totally listening to her. They are totally listening to her. They're her only friends. And I was thinking about it because my I have one sister who she loves cats, loves animals, trains dogs. She can take any bad cat and love them into goodness. <laughs> and I think that she just like has this way with animals maybe that she just can't work it out with people and so instead all the animals just love her and pay attention to her and listen to her and she talks to them well she is a disney princess so that's pretty par for the course this is true this is true which is interesting also because i was thinking okay if she does have this particular way with animals then that is, like, really good, especially if she knows how to deal with, um, what's the word? With animals that have poor behaviors. It's perfect because she's going into a world where she's going to be dealing with this beast who is acting like an animal with poor behaviors. And (laughs) she works her magic on him. So I thought that was interesting. Interesting, Janae. I never thought about that parallel before. Mm-hmm. That she, yeah, she, animals are, are her only company mm-hmm. right now. And I think probably that's fairly normal that Maurice is down in the basement. Nobody from the town really wants to have anything to do with her. So she spends a lot of her time with her animals. So, yeah, it's an interesting parallel to the beast. Yeah, she's definitely invested some skill points in animal handling. Yeah. I mean, she tells the sheep earlier in the day before about her book that she's reading and in here she's telling them about this awful man who proposed her i just think it's funny that they're like her confidant that's who she goes to to talk to about her boy problems or her books or whatever chickens and goats (laughs) yep Uh, and sheep not in this minute but previous minute yep so one thing i love about this minute is just how well they did her gestures and the attitude they give her. I mean, she's, you can feel the realness of how turned off she was by what just happened. And, you know, trying to convey that to the animals, she does a very good job. Um, And especially I love how the the animators captured that in how she moves and the actions that she, that she physically does. Mm -hmm. Another interesting thing about her movement is that, some of the animators in a documentary I was watching, they were talking about how they really wanted to make her really graceful. And they studied a lot of ballet dancers and they patterned a lot of her movements, especially in this section, after ballet dancers. And she definitely is very graceful as she like lopes across this field while she's singing. 
She has like pointed toes and stuff, which just makes her all the more beautiful, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Before she really starts getting into the song, she used, she says something. She says, me, the wife of that boorish, brainless, and then she kind of trails off. And I appreciate that it's not just us that is seeing this in Gaston's character, that she has that awareness that apparently no one else in the town can see. Like, she's pretty much hitting the nail right on the head yeah. of why he's mm-hmm. not a good person. <laughs> but then she launches into the song, and she's like, Madame Gaston, can't you just see it? And I'm like, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on for a second. Typically, when, you know, you say Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, which is essentially what she's saying here with Madame Gaston, you use the surname. So, my question is, is Gaston Gaston's surname, or is it his first name, or is he just like Prince, where he just has the one name? (laughs) And I could not find the answer on my own. (laughs) I'm guessing it's his surname. Like LeFou, I assume that LeFou is his surname. Mm-hmm. Because isn't that like the way men talk to each other? By calling them by their last names? Oh, what if they both share the first, Many the times. same first name? Yes, because I was going to point out, we have <laughs> friends who we call them both by their last names because they have the same first name. Like what if they're both named oh. Pete or something like that? <laughs> Pete. Like Pete Gaston and Pete LeFou, and they and they were friends in grade school because they had the same first name. But then they were like, "Well, we can't just call each other Pete and Pete because that's a Nickelodeon show and totally different company." So then they just went from by their last names. That would make a lot of sense. That is a very interesting theory that I like. Yeah, I think it's his last name. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Now I'm what. I'm so curious what his first name is now. Well, I mean, we must remember that they weren't exactly that worried about details like first and last names in this movie, considering that Beast never is called by anything else except for Beast in the movie. (laughs) So, and he is the main character. So at least Gaston gets some sort of name. Right. They're like, well, he's got a name, so what else do you want from us? And, okay, all of a sudden I'm drawing a blank. Do we, do, do Belle and Maurice have a last name? Not that we know of, I don't think. I don't, not that we know. I don't, yeah. (laughs) Which it is interesting that they're called by their first names, but Gaston and LeFou go by their last names, which. Yeah. I like the idea that that's a bro thing, that they're bros, <laughs> and so they go by their last names. Yeah. When they're broing out and doing bro stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so I love also in this minute the scenery. Oh, absolutely. It's beautiful. It's just so gorgeous. Belle has her very own sound of music moment, and... Uh, She's running on the field, and it's pretty, and that river and the mountains. Bobby, does that help you at all in figuring out where in France this is? Um, I haven't done any uh, satellite image searches for it yet, but uh, hopefully it will. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, get your act together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know, that's not as easy as it sounds, especially when the movie is older. Like, this is like... 
22 years old, like a lot has, a lot changes. I mean, really I've run into that there now. Yeah. I mean, I try this and look at true. satellite footage for what, when we're doing Mad Max minute. And that was like 30 years ago and everything looks different. So I can only imagine how the area of France, this was animated in has changed over that time. <laughs> well, the good thing if is I don't have to find a real place. It on a real location. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's even based on a real location. Just have to find something yes. that looks similar. One thing that's crazy about this vista, though, is Belle has this within walking distance of the house all the time, and she chooses to hang out in a chair in the kitchen or whatever it was, when she could be on this hill all the time. Right. She could still be reading her books. Like this, this but hillside. Just like outside in the fresh air. It's amazing. In the view. Well, but like, then she would have to admit that she's not doing her chores like she's supposed to. <laughs> she is ditching to go read in the field. Whereas if she's in the house, she just stopped for a second to read a chapter. And it just, you know, happened to be a longer section than she expected. That took Man. her all day to read. I tell you, if we had a piece properly like that, I'd have a couple of Adirondack chairs out there, like, uh-huh. all the time. Uh, I think at this point in the scene, we get to see that she is still a teenager. She's still kind of young. I mean, she goes out there singing about how she wants adventure. Um, and, you know, she's in this beautiful place. And then she says, I forget exactly what the line is, but she wants someone to share it with. And someone that, you know, someone that understands her. So she's not just looking for an adventure. She's looking for a companion in that adventure. Or maybe a companion is the adventure. Um, but, but my, my thought during this is that what she has isn't good enough for her. You know, in the, the happy living situation yep. that she has, the beautiful countryside that she has, you know, that's not enough. And if she was a, a perfect person, mm. then we'd say, okay, you need to be content with what you have. But because she's a 17 year old teenage girl, you know, no matter what it is, she's not going to be happy with some part of it. So I think we get to see a little bit of her immaturity in that she's not happy with what she has. Yeah, she says, I want adventure in the great wide somewhere. I want it more than I can tell. And for once, it might be grand to have someone understand. I want so much more than they've got planned for me. Hmm. I think it's... um. She gets a people give a lot of flack about this song, this reprise, because they're like, oh, Belle thinks she's so much better than everybody else. And she thinks this poor provincial town isn't good enough for her. And she wants adventure. And she um, thinks nobody understands her. Whereas I think that's going a little off the handle because in reality, she doesn't have any friends. Can you blame her? Can you blame her for wanting to get out of this town where everybody thinks she's crazy? Everybody looks down on her for reading. Everybody makes fun of her and talks about her behind her back. And she doesn't have anybody to talk to about the books that make her excited and about um, her thoughts and her feelings. And she ends up having this He-Man guy come and try and pin her down and force her into this life that is not going to bring her happiness and that doesn't even take into consideration her happiness. So, I mean, I think that some people need to back off about this song because I can't blame her. <laughs> <laughs> My own 
only issue with the song is that she talks about other people having a plan for her. And I want to know what her plan is for herself. She mm. needs she needs more than wistful, I want adventure, I want someone to share that adventure with. She's 17. In this mm-hmm. day and age in France, she's an adult. She needs to have a plan. Mm-hmm. And if that's what she wants, fine. She can go out there and get what she wants, but she needs a plan. Yeah, I mean, she basically says she wants adventure in the great wide somewhere and it's like okay well maybe next time instead of borrowing an adventure book maybe borrow a geography book and just (laughs) pick a place to go yeah you know well i mean i kind of can relate to her a little bit in that moment because sometimes when we're caught up in the day-to-day living of our lives we know we want more but sometimes it's hard to pinpoint even what you yourself want I mean, have you guys experienced that, or is it just me? Oh, no. We've definitely experienced it. We've, and the, one of the solutions to that, that we have found, being a couple, is to sit down and talk about it, mm-hmm. which she could mm-hmm. do with her dad. I know he's probably not the ideal person, because he is kind of out there, like he's a genius, but he's kind of flighty. Yeah. But he's kind of the best that she's got to sit down and have a conversation about, well, this is what I want, but I don't know how to get it. Or right. what can I do to move forward towards something else? Mm-hmm. She probably could turn to that bookseller guy as well, because he seemed to have a pretty decent head on his shoulders. He did. has tons of books. I mean, he's got a globe in his store. He probably could have been a really great mentor to her. Yes, and I... I agree with Rick mentioned about what books she was reading. She seemed mm-hmm. to have an affinity for fairy tale like books, which is fantastic. Reading is reading, and even fairy tale books, while they s- might seem light or fluffy, they teach us, you know, they have moral stories and they teach us about critical thinking and cultures from around the world. So they're very valuable. But if she wants to go out into the world and she needs to know about economics. She needs to know about chemistry. She needs to know mathematics. And the bookseller might be able to guide her mm-hmm. on more educational books rather than books that supply her critical thinking skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just and fun she- books. You need more than just fun books. Yes. Yeah. She needs a mix. And sometimes you just have to get to that point where you need to stop planning and just take that plunge. Like, if she is craving adventure, you know, her dad just left on a cart with an invention to go to an invention fair. Why didn't she go with him? Yeah. like I know. I, I know they've got a farm and whatnot, but, like, one of these times she could say to her dad, listen, you stay here, I'm going to go to the fair and I'm going to present your invention You know, she could take charge and really, like, stand up for herself and whatnot. You know, she needs to, you know, just make a plan. Not not just all of the plans. Just make one plan. That's all I'm asking I like the idea of going to the the, uh, inventor's convention. Yeah. I think that would have been, like, a really great step for her. Yeah. I think that is one of the things from the, the new movie... Um, I'm the only one who's seen it here, but (laughs) (laughs) that she 
I, I and at first when I heard about this, I was like, I don't like it. But then when I saw it in the movie, I was like, actually, okay, I get it. Because in the new movie, Belle is sort of more the inventor and her dad is more of like a tinkerer. He like um, is fixing this music box or something. But she comes up with and invents this washing machine so that she can read while she does the laundry. And I really loved that because um, she is kind of doing exactly what you said. She's coming up with ideas. She's figuring out ways to accomplish things that she wants in her life. So that's pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Belle wanting, you know, someone to take her adventuring, to go out into the great wide world. She needs, like, instead of the Beast or Gaston, she needs, like, John Smith from Pocahontas. If we could do, like, a trading spaces thing. <laughs> Just swap them. Like, because John Smith was or all about... Or even Pocahontas. Yeah, like, he yeah. was all about blazing trails and making big discoveries just for the sake of adventure. Like... Right. Now, granted, time frames being what they are, he was about a hundred years before her in the grand scheme of things, because Pocahontas was about 1600, 1610, and this movie is somewhere, I, I, if I had to ballpark it, somewhere around the 1770s. So maybe not mm. John Smith, but if she takes a trip up to Paris, she might just run into Benjamin Franklin. And then mm-hmm. Benjamin Franklin could say, oh, hey, let's go over to the colonies. And suddenly we've got Belle in the American Revolution. And she's got this frontier she can explore. She's got a ragtag group of rebels she can pal around with. I mean, I don't know about you, but I could see Belle, you know, coming up with the design for the American flag. You know, we could have had being a bit, you know, politico-centric here. You know, we could have had a much better story if we said it in America, but, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Instead of this namby-pamby French feelings, whatever. I would like to point out that the moment that the song is over, and this goes into tomorrow's minute, the moment that the song is over... An adventure begins to present itself to mm. her. Mm-hmm. Never does she stop and think about it. She just goes for it. She doesn't even stop and say, hey, this is my adventure that I was looking for. I'm going to go take it. She just does what she needs to do in the moment. And I really appreciate that. I think that is indicative of most adventures that people go on. I mean, most people who end up in the middle of an adventure don't see it as an adventure while they're living it, if that makes sense. Um, and so it's hard sometimes to... I, I do appreciate that as well, that she doesn't sit there and say, nope, I'm just going to sit here and dream and whine and wish that I had an adventure. But then when it comes time to act, she actually does. She doesn't just say, oh, that's not the adventure I wanted. I'm going to wait until I get the one I want or something like that. Right. But it is interesting also that she, I mean, you always think, okay, she is about to go have this adventure, which is true, but she's sitting here wishing for more freedom, but in the end, she's about to go and be imprisoned, really, amidst the adventure. So that's kind of an interesting contrast to 
the adventure not turning out the way you expect. She ends up imprisoned for part of it and lacking freedom. But I would still say it's an adventure, even though she is a prisoner, if that makes sense. Yes. I think that juxtaposes the scene where she was singing the song, specifically the scene where we, we come up over the trees and we can see the mountains and the river and she's feeling confined by her station in life while she's standing out in this wide open that she wants to have adventure in, you know, Rick, you mentioned Pocahontas. Mm -hmm. She, yeah, she has responsibilities. She has things to do, but she just goes out and hangs out in the woods all day and has adventures every day, jumping off cliffs into the water. And she has an animal sidekick Mm -hmm. and she has these adventures every day. Belle could do the same thing if she wanted to. She could go out and explore the woods. So she has this freedom, but she's not utilizing it. She still feels trapped. So then she goes on this adventure, partly to feel free, where she ends up being trapped for part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that really stands out to me about Belle is that, yeah, she doesn't really think about leaving home to find her dad. And I know that we're getting into tomorrow, so I'm not going to say too much more on it, but she doesn't, she doesn't plan. She just leaps because someone is in danger and she needs to go help them. But like I said, we're going to go on to that tomorrow, but before we leave, before we get too far out from this song, I mentioned off microphone that I went and found an MTV.com article where they ranked the, I want songs from all, like 14, uh, well, 13 different Disney movies where the prince or princess of the movie is singing their classic I want song, which happens, you know, a lot in these Disney movies. Uh, do you guys want to hear the list? Yes, please. Okay. So we are starting at the bottom with number 14 and we're going to go up to number one. So number 14 is the song I'm wishing from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs in 1937. And the explanation of why that one is scored so low is kind of, you know, it was Disney's first major outing. It was kind of, you know, them testing the waters. And then it's also an I Want song that gets interrupted by the Prince character. So it wasn't truly, you know, Snow White's song. It was, like, turned into a duet. So the next one after that, 13 is I Wonder from Sleeping Beauty. And I Wonder doesn't score higher because it's overshadowed so drastically by Once Upon a Dream. Like, I Wonder is kind of like, oh, I wonder if I can be loved. And then it's like, you get that other song where it's like, you know, I know you. It's it's so much better. So it's it's (laughs) overshadowed by its own movie. It is so much better. (laughs) Anyway, uh, number 12 is A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes from Cinderella in 1950 um that one kind of loses points because it isn't so explicitly an i want song but it's still like an expression of cinderella's desire for her life number 11 is actually a more modern one for the first time in forever which is sung by princess anna in frozen and Mm. that one it's it's very busy and it just pales in comparison. It's another one where a later movie in the song overshadows it. So it gets bumped down the list. So now we get into the top 10. 
So number 10 on this list is I Just Can't Wait to Be King from The Lion King in 1940, 1994, which is, it's so blatantly an I want song and it's so vapid because Simba is so spoiled at this point that all he cares about (laughs) is exploiting his position. Uh So it's just, it's just not as genuine as ones further down on the list. So number nine is just around the river bend from Pocahontas in 1995, which I, I really enjoy watching Pocahontas because the the characters in that movie are just sublime. They they run the gamut from great to awful and everything in between. And just around the river bend is more of that kind of supposing about the future and trying to decide, you know, the whole where life is going to take you type of thing. Um, right below that, or right above it, I should say, in the number eight slot is Let It Go from Frozen in 2013, which surprised me that it was in the number eight spot because let it go was so pervasive, like everywhere you look, you got let Mm -hmm. it go. And it was great, but it was more about, you know, finally coming out of your shell instead of longing for something else down the road. So by criteria, it got bumped. So the next one above it is number seven. When will my life begin from tangled? which definitely fits more into that I want category because it's all about Rapunzel dreaming about life outside the tower, that whole longing to be free. Um, Number six is How Far I'll Go from Moana. This is the newest one on the list in 2016. And, my gosh, Moana is just the best movie. (laughs) I literally (laughs) just saw that for the first time last week. It's what? really hard not to like Moana. It's so good. It I loved it. You're welcome. I say, and I, the thing I love about how far I'll go is just that balance of like responsibility versus desire to do more with your life. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a better version of Just Around the River Bend, if I can be so bold yeah. as to say that. So. Getting into the top five, number five on this list is Go the Distance from Hercules, which, Mm. while it's not sung by a princess, it is just inspiring. Fabulous. Yeah, it's It's a a really good fantastic song. Mm -hmm. Um, Number four is another newer one from 2009's The Princess and the Frog, Almost There. And that song is amazing because... Tiana has no supposing that a fairy godmother is going to swoop in and do stuff for her. She is bound and determined to use her own blood, sweat, and tears to achieve her dream. And she just gets to sing this lovely song about how she has worked so hard. And things are starting to go her way. And this dream that she has is finally within her reach. And it's really inspiring because it just... It's not listless and you know it's it's yes i have done it i am almost there it's great so number three is from julia's favorite disney movie reflection from mulan mulan is awesome yeah mulan is absolutely my favorite (laughs) disney movie ever i could watch it just on repeat (laughs) yeah and the thing that's awesome about reflection is that mulan 
wants to break out of her social confines. And she has this dream of being true to herself, not to reference a 98 Degrees song played in the credits of that movie. But, you know, her want song is, you know, it's not selfish. It's it's heartfelt and true. And, you know, she mm-hmm. goes on to do amazing things in that movie. It's really inspiring, that idea of, you know, when will her reflection show who she is inside? It's great. So the number two, we are in the top three. So number three was reflection. Number two is the bell reprise from Beauty and the Beast. So they specifically talk about the one minute reprise that we just talked about and how it's such a simple declaration of what she wants out of life. Like we've seen in the main part of bell, what the town thinks about her. Well, this is her chance to really tell us how she feels about herself. And just the purity of it is what gives it that number two spot. But unfortunately it cannot topple the number one spot from 1989's the little mermaid part of your world, which is just the quintessential I want song because you mix that wanting what is unattainable and the sincerity of it and just the heartfelt way that Ariel goes about singing it. Like I can understand why it got the top spot, even if I am a little bummed out that uh, Beauty and the Beast didn't take the the number one (laughs) slot. (laughs) I think Ariel got it because her desires to her in her own context are so unobtainable. Everybody else, you know, they have these hopes and dreams of things that could actually happen, but for Ariel, they can't. Yeah. It's literally impossible. It's literally impossible. (laughs) And she's so, unless you have magic and she's so desperate. (laughs) And that, that desperation is what makes that song so powerful. It's a, it's a hard one to beat. Mm-hmm. There are lots of great songs on that list. Yeah. Yeah, it's really hard to beat any of them. Thank you for sharing that. So. Well, that kind of ties into a point that uh, that our researcher Sally had. Um, she made a note that, that Belle's need is a spiritual need versus uh, Ariel. And some of the earlier princesses, they have more of a physical need. So Belle longs for adventure, whereas Ariel wants legs so she can get a man. Cinderella wants a dress to go to the ball. And Belle isn't really sure what she wants, but she knows it's not in her village. And uh, so we see kind of different different uh, types of wants that, that these princesses are singing about. I'm reminded of a phrase that I heard a lot when I was growing up. And that phrase was, how does it feel to want? <laughs> And I imagine it feels like being a Disney princess. Say, <laughs> oh. there's a character in Mad Max who has a, a tragedy befall him. And one of his friends confronts another character on his behalf. And the, the line that we enjoy quoting from that movie is, Kundalini wants his hand back. <laughs> so if Kundalini ever sang a song, he would sing about that lost appendage. Oh. Never mind how he lost it. That's not important right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if people are really curious about Kundalini, they can listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. 
Well, I think that about wraps up this minute. Um, speaking of your podcast, where can people find you? So if people want to track us down, they can go to our website, which is madmaxminute.com. They can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute, like us on Facebook, and join our listener society, Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone. Awesome. And I would definitely recommend you guys check that out. Even if you haven't seen the movie, um, the way that they talk about it is very inclusive where you can understand what's going on and get into the story without actually knowing what happens in the movie. Um, so definitely go check out their podcast. And if you would like to get in contact with us here at Beauty and the Beastly Minute, um, head over to growlermedia.com where we've got our page um, with this podcast and other podcasts put out by Growler Media. You can also Find us on social media. We are Beastly Minute on Twitter as well as Facebook. So send us a comment, questions, um, your observations or theories. We want to hear it all. And until tomorrow, we will see you then. Our theme music is by Duo Hansen. Something is really different on the growler.